Hello, welcome to the latest podcast from The Lancet. I'm Naomi Lee and today I'm joined by Professor Michael Sharp and Dr Jane Walker, both of the University of Oxford, to discuss their research on depression in people with cancer, which is published in three papers across The Lancet, The Lancet Oncology and The Lancet Psychiatry. Hello both, welcome to The Lancet. Thank you. Hello. Professor Sharp, can you tell us what is meant by major depression and what was known about it in people with cancer before your research? I think it's very important to be clear what we're talking about here. The word depression is used quite widely and inconsistently. When we talk about major depression, we're talking about a psychiatric illness. It has symptoms of low mood that is pervasive, loss of interest, loss of pleasure in things. It affects people's functioning and can have a very major effect on their quality of life. So that's what we're talking about in major depression. As with many physical illnesses, It's well known clinically that uh, a lot of cancer patients suffer from major depression and it's clearly important. And of course, not only does it affect their quality of life, it's it's the major risk factor for suicide. What wasn't so well known is just how common it is and how, how its frequency may differ between different types of cancer. And it also wasn't known how often these people receive treatment and what the best treatment would be. So, so these are the questions we addressed in our research. Dr. Walker, you studied the prevalence of major depression amongst cancer outpatients. Can you tell us how you carried out that study and what the findings were? Well, we had a, a fantastic opportunity to study the prevalence of depression in what was a very large representative sample of cancer outpatients. So more than 20,000 people with cancer. And we were able to do that by using some very high-quality clinical data. We had data on whether patients had depression from a depression screening service, and that operated across a large part of Scotland, and that service used interviews to diagnose depression, so to know whether patients had major depression or not. And we also had very good data about patients' cancers from the Scottish National Cancer Registry. And what we found in those 20,000 patients was that major depression was really quite common, It was most common in people with lung cancer, so we found that about 13% of patients with lung cancer had major depression. And we found that it was least common in patients with genitourinary cancer, so about 6% of those patients had major depression. But that was still higher than the rate of depression in the general population. Dr Walker, thank you. The research also talked about the number of cancer patients with major depression who were on treatment. Can you expand on that for us? Yes, in some ways that was perhaps the most important finding from that study. We found that less than a quarter of people who have cancer and depression are receiving what we defined as adequate treatment for their depression. So we found that depression is common in people with cancer, but very few people are getting treatment for it. And it was interesting to me in your results, you discussed whether the prevalence of depression in cancer varied according to whether the treatment intent was curative or palliative. And you found there wasn't much difference. Is that right? Yes, that's right. That that was an interesting finding. The data we had on, on that was from the Scottish National Cancer Registry, which collects data about everyone with cancer from hospitals in Scotland. So according to the information that had been given to the registry from the hospital about whether people were receiving curative or palliative intent treatment, that wasn't associated with whether people had major depression in our sample. But of course we don't know what people knew about 
the or understood about the treatment intent. The next paper to discuss is the Smart Oncology 2 paper and that's the randomised control trial comparing an integrated treatment programme for cancer patients with depression with usual care. Professor Up, could you describe the intervention package and what your findings were in this paper? I'm glad you described the intervention package because this is what's called a complex intervention, that it has a number of parts. We developed it over about 10 years to overcome the problems we observed in delivering depression treatment to cancer patients. It's delivered by a team and that team especially trained cancer nurses, psychiatry, and these, the psychiatrists and the nurses work in collaboration with the patient's GP and their oncologist. The actual content of the treatment is very systematic, and it includes both antidepressants and psychological treatments. We had previously, uh, in the Smart Oncology 1 trial, some evidence that this treatment could have some efficacy, and the trial that we present here, Smart Oncology 2, is to see how effective it is in practice. So this was a 500-patient trial in which patients received either usual care, with the patient and the GP being told the patient was depressed, or they received the DCPC. The primary outcome was where the depression was substantially better, and this was defined as a 50% drop in their depression severity. The results of the trial were really very striking. So at six months after randomization, only 17% of patients allocated to usual care had a good outcome, compared to 62% of the patients who'd had the depression care package, DCPC. That's a 45% absolute difference and a number needed to treat of two. Furthermore, the effect was sustained at 12 months and the benefits were also seen in patients' anxiety, pain, fatigue, functioning, and their quality of life. So this was a very clear result from the trial. So, Dr. Orcus, Smart Oncology 3 looks at the effect of this intervention package in lung cancer patients in particular compared with their usual care. Why did you pick out lung cancer patients in particular? Well, the Smart Oncology 2 trial that you just heard about was for patients with a relatively good cancer prognosis. So the people who took part in that trial all had major depression and they all had an expected survival from their cancer of, of at least 12 months. And what we wanted to find out was whether the depression care for people with cancer treatment program could also improve depression for people who have poor prognosis cancers, so people who don't have as much time left to live. And we chose lung cancer because, firstly, we know that it's a common cancer, also because, as we heard earlier, patients with lung cancer have a high rate of major depression. And for many patients, lung cancer, unfortunately, still has a very poor prognosis. So only about 13% of patients with a diagnosis of lung cancer will still be alive five years later. What do the results of this Smart Oncology 3 trial add to the two previous papers? The Smart Oncology 3 trial was an efficacy trial of 142 patients who all had lung cancer and major depression. And we found that those who received the depression care for people with cancer treatment program had a much greater improvement in their depression than those who received usual care. So this is another really exciting result because we previously didn't have much evidence at all to guide the treatment of depression in people who have poor prognosis cancers like lung cancer. So I wanted to ask you both, taking the results of these papers as a whole, what changes would you like to see in the care of people with cancer? So the three papers together show that depression is, 
is quite common, it's often not treated, and that this kind of systematic program can make a big difference. What we haven't said is how expensive it is, and this is being costed precisely. It costs about £600 a patient, which in the context of cancer care makes it relatively inexpensive. So given the benefits it can offer and, and the cost, we would hope that cancer services would think about depression in their patients and would think about implementing this kind of systematic approach. I would also say that I think the implications of this, we studied cancer, but I think the implications of this are more general. And many other chronic illnesses are also associated with higher rates of major depression. And this kind of integrated systematic approach could make a difference there too. Thank you. And Dr. Walker? Well, I think we all know that, that cancer is a very serious illness. And, and because of that, we put a lot of effort into treating it, into getting rid of people's cancer. And that's absolutely right. But what we often forget about is that a lot of people who have cancer also have another illness. They also have major depression. And if we don't put the same effort into treating that, then I think we really are letting our patients down. Our research has shown that we can actually make a huge difference to patients' depression and to their quality of life. So however long our cancer patients have left to live, whether they have a good prognosis cancer or a poor prognosis cancer, we now know that we can help them. We know we have ways to help them make sure that the time they have left is as good as it possibly can be. Professor Michael Sharp and Dr Jane Walker, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to The Lancet about this research. It's a pleasure, thank you. Thank you.